I'm Charles van Veek. Welcome to Salt and Light. Wonderful to have you in the studio with us today, listeners, as we discuss some interesting issues in the Christian community and what it means to be salt and light and how we can make a difference for the gospel of the kingdom of God, which the Bible talks about so often. And we have Jordan Lowe with us in the studio. Jordan is a young man. Jordan, how old are you? 20. Good. Welcome to Salt and Light. Oh, thank you for having me back. Yeah, actually. back. Can you believe it? Must have been 18 months ago at least that mm. uh, you were in the studio with us. And welcome back again. Jordan, You've uh, life has changed. The last time I interviewed you, uh, a lot of people listened to you on the air and also the podcast, um, which are recordings um, after the the airing on, on radio, and many were taken up with uh, your group of young men that we interviewed. Uh, at that time, you were doing a year of your life. Give us just a quick overview of that. Many listeners might have missed the show. What were you doing at that time? So I was doing an internship at my, my church, and what it was was I was trying to figure out where God wanted to take my life. Um, because after high school, I wasn't certain of where he wanted me to be. And so I took this year to really figure that out and to also work on a lot of issues that I had to work out that God told me that I need to deal with. And so that's what that year was. Yes. Was it a successful year? Very, very successful. I actually got baptized at the end of the year. Fantastic. Indeed. Wonderful. God is good. I loved your biblical worldview ideas when we were chatting. I loved your philosophical ideas. I loved what you guys were doing, but how has that impacted your life for now? That's all over. You're not a young uh, one year of your life person anymore. You know, mm. out of that, there you were protected, I'd like to say. Indeed. You know, you're in a nice environment with godly Christian mm. young men. You had a fantastic leader who was um, pouring in his life into yours. Now you're out of this. You're out in the real world there. What does it feel like? What's going on? Well, at the beginning of the year, when I went to university for the first time, it was quite an experience just being around so many people who aren't Christian, actually, and also don't really know where they are going or or really what's going on with their life and just doing a lot of what other people are doing. And so that really impacted me negatively because I also realized I didn't have proper foundations in my life in order to go into that sort of chaos. Uh, But then... Fortunately for myself as an individual, COVID came along and I was forced to really sit alone with myself and really just be with God. And in doing so, I was able to really lay down foundations for myself and for my faith because I had realized that I didn't really have my own personal relationship with God. And so in doing so, he, in the first few months, he was able to to just build me up for the ministry that I'm currently doing now and just to to build up my character as well to deal with everything that I'm dealing with or all the pressures that are, are happening. So uh, are we? Are you saying that while you did the year of your life, are you saying that, that you were in some kind of comfort zone there and then after that it became uncomfortable? Oh, definitely. Um, definitely, definitely. Because I, I so was... It was quite a shock. Yes, because I went through a Christian high school and then I went through a Christian internship yes. and then going to a secular university yes. was a massive change for me. Yeah. Yes, but your the core of your training and teaching and education must have stood you in good stead to have got you to be able to know how to deal with it and to get your own life right mm. with the Lord, surely. Mm. 
Um, in other words, what I'm saying is you surely don't look back and say that foundation I had was worthless. No, 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 not um, at all. It's, it was a very good foundation for yes. you to deal with what came your way. Yes, but those were the foundations that uh, I was blessed with from my parents yes. and from my educators and from my yes. bosses and the people around me. But for myself as an individual, being raised in a Christian household and being being brought up through the church, uh, having a Christian education, I had realized that my faith wasn't based on my, my own. I didn't have my own faith. It sure. was based on the people around me. And that's yes. why I, I struggled at the beginning of the year. Yes. But I, I just love that um, you still recognize that that was a good foundation mm. to have because you so often hear people give testimonies and Christians who have been brought up in that sometimes sort of hide away and say, well, I don't have a testimony, you know, because I was brought up in a Christian environment. I didn't take drugs. I didn't get drunk. I didn't, you know, I wasn't involved in illicit sex mm. and that kind of environment. And they almost feel that they um, haven't been saved from much or whatever. But yet that is a massive blessing. Mm. I was brought up in the same way as you uh, same sort of lines, Christian family, Christian church, Christian environment. And I praise God when I see my friends that have come from other environments and the devastation and the the struggles later in life and the, um, the trauma and things that they have to deal with. Mm. I praise God for Christian environment, Christian family, Christian education, mm. and Christian friends. But now you're in a whole different uh, ball game, different perspective. You're a full-time student. Yes. And we've been joking about that. Are you full-time missions or full-time student? Ooh, don't let my mom hear that. Okay. <laughs> I hope your mother's not listening to this uh, program. Uh, but uh, tell us a bit about your ministry that you're involved with. You guys have been extremely busy from what I can gather, mm. especially during the COVID time mm. what is your ministry called what do you people do so currently i'm partaking in a what's called a mercy ministry as part of my broader church but it's also been part of a a an npo called mist molding power serve and essentially what we have been doing uh it started out as as providing food um and what actually happened around there was that someone realized that because schools were closing down that the children that are normally fed through school feeding schemes aren't yes. going to get fed. And so a friend of mine, Enrique, he just thought that he, he really had to do something about this. And then he and he, he brought a lot of people together um, and they started a, a, a an organization called World United. And they started a feeding scheme with the aim of get, raising 100,000 rand overall to feed the children uh, in, the, in the areas. Yes. But then... Just, Sorry, at that time, we yes. still didn't know how long this was going to no, go no, on No, no, no. There was so much uncertainty, so, they so were much fear. So they aiming for 100,000 mm. Rand at the time to yes. help under the circumstances they were aware of. Exactly. Um, but just the way that God, just God's hand was on it. And it actually became 100,000 Rand a week. That is phenomenal. That happened. That carried on for months. That carried on until schools opened again. And it's still running now, but at a much smaller a capacity. Lower, lower capacity. But that's where it started. That is unbelievable. The... The calling together of the various Christians, yes. um, where did they all come from? Were they from various organizations, various denominations, various congregations? Uh, what what brought these people together? What what did they have in common? I would say they had a deep satisfaction with the way things were. Um, and everyone was brought together. They were all from the, the churches in the area that I'm from, so in Domeville. And each and every single one of them had a heart to help people. Um, and specifically with the food the food scheme helped to feed people. And so that's how it started and that's where it, where it 
where we we branch out from hmm. and so now um we've moved into a a different ministry with uh, the mess organization where we are actually reaching out to the, the homeless um the the oppressed the, those on on the outskirts of society the marginalized uh, the widows and the orphans the prostitutes and really trying to to bring them up out of where they are at and so that they can have a just a better life um I've, i've had a lot of experiences over the past few months working with the people that come in because anyone's allowed in to to get a meal and for some it's their only meal of the day and i've just experienced so much through them and i know it's it's like a cliche like you go there and you actually learn more than you sure, but it does really happen it does really happen yeah. and i've just seen god really because I, i think it was the thing that moved me to act on this was a a sermon by Tim Keller where he said that God identifies with the poor and Jesus himself his entire life he was poor even on the cross i mean the only possession he had was his garments and that was cost lots mm. and whenever he went somewhere it was always to to a, a borrowed room um and i just felt some moved by that and in interacting with all these people i've just really seen the love of god and his grace and his mercy and his justice in them Sure. Um I've had a friend that was also involved um in this or shall I say a friend's daughter very encouraged by this and I really think you've hit the nail on the head there people that are working to help others there's a massive change in their own lives there's a massive change in their world view um the way they see things the the way God leads them into their own futures and they walk with him mm-hmm. and I think there's a big challenge for those of us who uh or Christians who are not involved in serving others mm. um they're missing out on a lot and i'd i'd love to our listeners to actually think about this really carefully mm. you know we have a young man here uh, jordan he's 20 years old he's serving his community and i'm sure you don't want to be put on a pedestal no, but the point no, is no. that um when you and other young people are doing these things there has to be a certain amount of um of loss to your own world and your own building up of yourself and spending all the time and effort and everything about who you are and why you exist and what mm. your your whole world you have to put aside some of that to be able to serve other people and i think it's an extremely uh, healthy thing uh, for christians to do mm. um you've mentioned that because the children are back at school and that obviously you're not running at the level that you were before um what what is happening now um you've mentioned some street people you've mentioned some uh, prostitute work and that sort of thing what what does it look like right now on the ground uh, for you and your um your christian friends and the people that are working in the ministry yes so with regards to the feeding there's actually been another initiative started um by i actually i forgot the name now no it doesn't matter But, but they uh, they are starting in in, in clipable sprouting yes. minds that is the name yes and what they want to do is because they've they've really had a a discontent with the with the support schemes the feeding schemes because it's it's good that people are getting fed but it's coming from the outside every single time and the people that are getting fed aren't actually becoming self-sustainable they're yes. just staying where they're at and so the vision they, they're not growing exactly. in any way yes and so what sprouting minds wants to do is they want to get the community to become self-sufficient and they're doing this by creating food sovereignty hubs 
Um, Goodness me, that's a big word. Yes. What does uh, that mean? So just to explain, they are moving towards sovereignty as, a, as opposed to support. And so they want the communities to actually provide their own food. And so they're set, teaching people how to set up gardens um, and just go, taking everyone through that entire process so that the community can feed everyone around them. Because I think one garden can support a thousand people. That is phenomenal. And so the more of these hubs that you set up, the more it multiplies and the more these communities can actually begin to support themselves. Sure. So having a garden like that needs to be pretty big to support a thousand people. Are the is it also happening on a smaller scale? You know, people may be growing mm. um, little gardens, but you know, in the, at their own homes. Is that also part of it, or is mm. it just this massive um, scheme? So that would be an element of it because they are going to be teaching people the skills. I understand. So they're teaching the people skills at these big areas, but those same people can go and do this at home. Exactly. Fantastic. What a wonderful concept. And then on the other side. Um, in Doville now, we have had, we operated out of another church. So, so when serving people food, we, we operated from churches. But now we have our own building, um, the Center of Hope. And the, the heart behind it is it, it's meant to be the inn in the Good Samaritan story, where a man was helpless, and then the Samaritan came along and gave him to an inn, and they took care of all of his immediate needs. And so the heart behind the center is to be that place where people can come in and be helped and then we can connect them to the various people that they need to be connected with. So if they need to go to a rehabilitation center or if they need to uh, get their, their IDs or apply for SASA or go for job applications or just help them with their CV or just anything, they would come to the center and be helped from there. Yes. I, I'm really excited about this kind of ministry because from my outside view it looks like a lot of young people are involved first of all number mm. one second of all you guys are networkers par excellence <laughs> you know we i struggle to think in terms of this i really got to work mm. hard to get my mind into the whole networking world mm. but this seems to be something natural that you have grown up with uh, is there a lot of effort put into networking or does it be is it something that just sort of naturally flows from the mindset or the worldview mm. of your age group, your people, your friends. Mm. So the way it's done is it's based on relationship. And so obviously there is a, a job to be done and there's work to be done, but the relationship and the, the rest part of it comes first. And I, I've really noticed, so the, the current team that is helping out at, at the center, um, the core team, I think the average age is probably 18 years old, 18, 19. Goodness me, that yeah. is incredible. And I'm actually the oldest, like one of the And you're 20. I'm 20, yes. <laughs> um, of, of the people who come regularly. And I've really just noticed that the, they come, yes, to serve because it's their heart, but also because the people that are serving are the people they want to be around. And so it's on all levels, um, the relationship aspect is the most important because to bring someone up out of... Uh, drug abuse and to bring someone up out of prostitution you need to meet that person at their level and walk a journey with them which is actually uh, the model that we are using um, it's the model that Jesus used when he said um, come follow me and I will make you fishes of men that's the come follow me um, which would be the mercy aspect of it yes. and then there's the I will make you which will be the justice aspect which, which will be the journey that is walked and then the fishes of men mm. is the grace aspect of it the new beginning 
that, that that's very exciting um, to hear that the way it's been thought out is phenomenal. But now from a practical perspective, uh, people on the ground are not impressed with people living on the street. Mm. They do not like their neighborhoods taken over by prostitutes. They do not like the idea of feeding, they call it the black hole of Africa, mm. forever and ever. Um, people are concerned. They're worried about the crime that goes with these things. They're worried about their own families, um, their homes being devalued because of these things. They they got all these major concerns. Um, and I think it's probably very difficult for them to try and think through these things. Um, how do you put yourself psychologically, philosophically in those people's position to make you or to help you love or to, am I making sense? Uh, you know, how do you get to be in a space to be able to want to help these people when the rest of society doesn't like them and let's call it, they're being rejected. Mm. So on that, I've really noticed a lot of it because of the because of COVID, a lot of people have lost their jobs and um, unemployment has risen in South Africa. I think it's almost at 50% now That's that right. it's going to. That's right. And as a result, a lot of people, the, the amount of homelessness has increased a lot and the amount of people complaining about homelessness has increased a lot. And I've really seen that people just don't, the, the, the people who are comfortable, I would say, or, or relatively comfortable, yes. or, or have houses, um, who have a, a meal to, to come home to, they don't necessarily see homelessness and prostitution and the orphans and the widows as their problem. And ah, that's so, very interesting. Yes. So there's almost a, uh, like a disassociation. Yes. And so they are, they are, the, the problem is at two levels. Obviously, obviously it's at, at the level of the individual and then it's at the level of society. But now we need to understand that there is a role to play from both sides. And I, I, I was actually, I was reading it um, yesterday uh, in Matthew where, where Jesus talks about this, where he says that, I tell you the truth, um, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And once again, it comes back to the idea of Jesus and God identifies with the least of those in society. And it's actually, there's something that happened. I think I'll just tell you the story. Please, now. please. Um, I, I've told it before, um, but I'll tell you a, a summarized version of it. A few a few months ago, I, I met with uh, leaders in the communities and they said that they had seen a, a woman who was in a, a vulnerable position um, she wasn't doing too well and I just felt God prompt us to go out and look for her and we went out and went out to this field that is on a on a main road that people drive past every day and we went out to the field and they continued to walk so I followed them and then we saw a a bunch of blankets on that field and as we got closer the blankets started to move and when we opened it up, we saw that lady that was laying there um, and she had scars on her head. And when we lifted the blanket up completely, we saw that she was actually naked and that she was laying in her own excrement. And I was just so shocked by that. Um, I think the first thing I did was just pray and then call an ambulance. And eventually she was taken away, but I, I sat with it afterwards and just thought, whose fault was that? How did she end up here? Because um, I found out later that her name is Patricia and just to imagine that she was once someone, someone's little girl um, and 
people don't necessarily see it that way. Yeah. But I thought, how did you get to the point where, yes, um, with drug abuse and with mental illness, I think those are the two main reasons I yes. see that people become homeless uh, and become separated from society. But how do you become so separated from even that separation that you end up in a field alone, left to die? Yes. And I just thought that I myself have had driven past that road that entire week that she was there. Um, I, even when people come up to me um, at the robots or whenever I encounter someone who, who's asking me for help, often I would turn them away and I realized that it's partially my fault as well. It's partially the fault of everyone around it who allowed Patricia to get to that space, to get to that, to that point. That point. Because That's there right. are so many, so many points in her life that she could have been, um, that could have been prevented, that we could have stepped in and said, listen, how can I help you? What can I actually do to, to make your life better? How can I help you get out of your drug addiction? And yes, there is a lot of responsibility to play to be taken on her side because sure, she would want to be there, yes, she but, would but want to be get better yes, and but if we, she doesn't we, have that heart that's right yeah and she, she i mean might have been extremely difficult for her to have struggled uh, to make those decisions mm. and yet you know you, we're talking about somebody there who's clearly had spiritual psychological and physical issues mm. but we might be sitting in church on a sunday with somebody who is also psychologically and spiritually mm. in the same position, but they're physically okay. Yeah. And um, and we, I was just been shocked when um, you'll have a friend like that, uh, and you'd be totally oblivious to what's going on. Just like you mentioned yourself driving past mm. her, we can sit in church next to people like that, and and unfortunately, people like that have committed suicide. And we've carried on and had tea parties together and mm. spoken about the love of the Lord and how great things are in our lives. And right under our noses, uh, somebody's in that state where we've, we've missed it. Mm. And um, and yes, there is responsibility on their side. And they, they could have spoken up. And we can come up with all sorts of ideas. But in the Christian community, you are your brother's keeper. Mm. You know, and so I just love the story you told because it's so pertinent. You know, we often just fluff people off. And, and sometimes... Um, we even think we've got good reason for it. You know, you've just mm. given so much away. You've just helped with these people. You've just, you know, sent a whole lot of clothing to these people. You know, you're giving your tithing to the church. You've, there's something called uh, donors or, or givers fatigue. Mm. And I think some people's uh, uh, um, limit of fatigue is not as um, as far as others. <laughs> yeah. And so people struggle with these things, you know. So even the, the donors and the givers um, struggle through it. And when it comes to um, people uh, trying to make decisions on these, I've often found in ministry, in the social political arena, dealing with these really um, big societal issues, um, I found in my life that most people don't last longer than two years mm. in the ministry in these areas. It's just so consuming and exhausting and uh, trying that um, you very seldom see people spending their lives doing this. You know, they come through the organization or they come and help with things and they move on. And I think that's what makes uh, the work that you're involved with so exciting is the age mm. group of the people. You know, it's, the foundations are being set at a, at a, um, at a young age. Yes. Tell us quickly, we don't have much time left. Uh, how difficult is it to get 
people to work and support and help you, these young people you talk about? Are you out there marketing yourselves, trying to get them to come in? Or is it back to the relationship issue you mentioned earlier? Once again, on the basis of relationship, everyone who's there has the same heart. And so once that makes it easier to form a relationship with the people, but it's, it's not, there are so many people that are on the edge and just need to be tipped over. And also what you said with regards to the ministry, I just want to mention that it shouldn't just be seen as work for the people in ministry. Um, if you love God, if you're a Christian, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, this should be your everyday life. This should be your lifestyle. Exactly. Thank you very much, Jordan. We've been talking to Jordan Lowe, young man involved in ministry, full-time student. If his mother's listening, he is studying full-time. And uh, great to have you with us, Jordan. God bless you and uh, keep up the good work. I'm Charles van Beek. You've been listening to Salt and Light and I'm closing off.